Well, good morning. Thank you, thank you. Um, I mean, I just want to say what, what an awesome day it is to uh, come and worship the Lord and be a church together. And we're going to be talking about spiritual community. And as I was preparing for this and reading over the different passages and everything, um, I, was just so, I was just thinking back about uh, what this church has meant for me in my life and my wife's life and our kids' life. Um, you know, I came here when I was in middle school, and so I went through the whole the process of, you know, high school at this church and the student ministry here. Um, went through the college ministry with this church, and, and my wife and I uh, met in the college ministry, and um, then we were in this church for a good while. Um, I think it's been 25, 30 years in, in my life, and, and um, so I was just recounting on how God has been so good to me and my family and thinking about spiritual community, thinking about how many of you have spiritual community and have some really good spiritual community um, at First Baptist and what First Baptist has probably meant to you. We could probably spend all day talking about the individual lives you guys have lived and, and whether you just came here in college or you came here when you're younger or whatever. But uh, um, it's just a wonderful thing that the Lord has given us is spiritual community in the church. And, um, and we can go much deeper we can have much more from the church. We can have much more from the Holy Spirit. We can have much more from our community around us. And some of it is us being obedient. Some of it uh, is uh, the church coming around and being the church to us. So we're going to talk a little about that today um, and what that looks like. But just wanted to um, go back and just, just thank the Lord for what he's done for me and my family and this church. And hopefully you've had a little bit of that. Um, I feel like I've got a lot of this church because I've been here for a long time. But um, uh, and, you know, the church isn't perfect, and it's because we're part of the church, and we're not perfect either, right? So, but um, the, the Lord uses the church in a, an amazing way. So, during the summer, we've been studying and looking over uh, what a godly life looks like. And so, we've been going through um, what that actually looks like and what it is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. What does that look like? Um, um, how do we do the Christian life? That's kind of the thing that a lot of people ask is, like, how do you do the Christian life? Like, I mean... Here, here's a book here. It's pretty long. It's pretty heady. It's pretty deep in a lot of areas. And, and how, how do you apply this to your life? And what does that look like? And what is it expected us, of us as the church? Um, and ultimately, how do we love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength? And how do we love our neighbor? That's the ultimate goal of, of what we do here um, at First Baptist and what the church does. And so two weeks ago, Rob uh, took us through what it looks like to abide in Jesus, which is a very important uh, principle. And uh, I think there's that four quadrant thing. Yeah, there you go. It's kind of cut off a little bit. But the first one is abide um, in Jesus. And so Rob kind of went over that. And then uh, um, just listening and learning from the Holy Spirit, you know, um, intaking God's truth, his scriptures, listening, studying, meditating, memorizing those things, just abiding in Christ. And, of course, you have to pray to abide in, in, in Christ. And adoration, confession, petition, and supplication. So he kind of went over that. And uh, uh, Marcus last week brought us a parable of the talents last week from Matthew 25, um, specifically 14 through 30. Um, and it has to do with accepting the responsibility we have as a Christian, as a believer. Um, how do we accept that? And so we went over the, the parable. You know, we've been given gifts. The Lord has given us different gifts, you know. And Marcus talked about that last week and how some have more than others. But we're all responsible, no matter how small the gift we have or how little our gift is, um, we're, we're still responsible to use that gift for God's kingdom and for his mission. And we need to join God in his plan that he has for us. And last week, you know, there's a specific plan that God has for your life. 
and, and he has specific talents and gifts he's given you. But also, um, there's this global plan we're a part of when we're in the church. And we're all a part of this global plan that God has us um, and for, for what we need to do. It's a universal command that God gave for the whole church. And he uses us in many different ways that way. Our vocation is, is a big one to advance his kingdom. Whether you are studying to be a doctor, lawyer, um, in education, you know, whatever you're doing, um, engineer, whatever that is, architecture, um, your, your vocation is for him, and the talents God gave you are to, to ex- expand his kingdom, and so we are to steward our blessings as well. So those are kind of the, the top one, and the accept responsibility, the, the one down there, and it's also cut off there, um, but that, that one is what we're going to be talking about today, spiritual community. Um, and the main, the main verse we're going to be in is Acts 2.42, so if you want to turn there, if you have your Bibles, um, power up your phones and, and get over there, we'll be in Acts 2 mainly. Um, today. The next part is godly life and investing and participating in spiritual community. So investing and participating. So those are two different things we'll talk about a little bit. And we're going to read uh, Acts 2, 42 through 47. Um, let me pray for us. And as we pray, just as I'm praying, just thank the Lord for this church and for the spiritual community you have. As I'm praying, just um, spend a little moment just saying, thank you, Lord, for what you've given me. Maybe it's the friends you're looking around your table right now that God has given you, um, that you met in college or you met at the young professional Sunday school class or whatever. The ones that have walked this road with you, just, just thank the Lord for that. Um, and then we'll read in Acts 2.42. Father God, we, we come before you with um, grateful hearts. We thank you for... Um, the ability we have just to come before you on this beautiful Sunday and worship you, come together as a, a group of believers in Columbia that love you and, and care for you and um, thankful for what you've done for us, for what Christ has done on the cross to allow us to be here, forgiven, redeemed saints that are um, here to uh, spread your word to people around us, to our friends around us. And we thank you so much for that. We want to be grateful for um, everything you have given us, you know, Churches aren't perfect, Father, but they are what you, the vessel you have to make us more like you and make us more like your son. And we thank you for him. And we just pray that we, we, we'd have gratitude all the time about what you've given us. And um, um, not think about the bad things, Father, but think about the good things you've given us. And as we go through Acts um, 2 here um, and what it is to be in spiritual community and what it is in the early church, what they did and, and how they were successful and what you did through them with your Holy Spirit, that we would just learn from it, soften our hearts, and that we would um, just take your word in right now and your truth. We love you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you look at Acts 42, uh, Acts 2.42, it's titled, The Fellowship of Believers. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And that's the one verse we're going to talk about. But and then what happened after that, when they did that, the awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and, and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceedings to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received the food with glad and generous hearts. There's that glad and generous hearts there and praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So this was at the very end of Acts 2, and a lot happened in Acts 2. Um, We've taught through this in the past with the YPs, but 
we went through all of Acts, but um, uh, the beginning, I want to kind of get a little context of what, what happened before this. So let's look at the beginning of Acts 2, um, this point of scripture, and, and the very beginning is the day of Pentecost had arrived, and there's, there's good reason why it was the day of Pentecost, there's good reason why uh, Jesus Christ was going to send the Holy Spirit at that point, but in Acts 2, uh, 2 through 4, and suddenly there came um, from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they're sitting, um, and divided tongues of fire appeared to them and re- rested on each one of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and began speaking to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So this is at the very beginning of the church, and this is when uh, Jesus Christ had promised that the Spirit would come, um, and he had promised this back in John 14, if you remember, if you go back to John 14, 25 and 26, Christ said, I'm going to send the Spirit. I'm not going to leave you without giving you the Holy Spirit. And, and this is the main reason why the church is effective is because of the Holy Spirit. The reason why the church could do what they did back then and what we can do to now is because any power we have is because the Holy Spirit's with us, right? And so Christ said in John 14, 25 and 26, uh, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance of all I have said to you. So it's the job of the Holy Spirit to come, the helper, and he's called the helper for a reason because the church needs massive help. Without him, we are nothing. And the Holy Spirit comes and the Father sends him. And there's a trinity right there. Jesus saying the Father will send, the Holy Spirit being there. And he will teach you uh, all things and bring remembrance of all um, I have said to you. And, and help you remember that. And so the helper came. So that's what happened in Acts 2. The helper came, the Holy Spirit came, and amazing things happened, right? So uh, they started speaking in tongues, which at the time, the tongues were, they would speak something, and everybody in Jerusalem at the time, no matter if they were Egyptian or they were from other parts of the world, um, they were all coming for the day of Pentecost. They could actually hear in their own language what the disciples were saying and what Peter was saying. Um, and so as they shared the good news of the gospel for one of the first times as a church was starting there, um, the multitudes were there in Jerusalem and they were hearing their own language and that was a miracle in itself um, when the Holy Spirit came. And then, and then Peter in Acts uh, 2, 14 through 40, you can go back and read it, but Peter gives one of the first and probably one of the greatest and most powerful gospel presentations at the very beginning of the church. Peter, this little fisherman who was, you know, denying Christ, you know, before, not too long ago, and then Christ restored him uh, on the seashore of Galilee after he was fishing there, and Christ came back and restored him. Uh, he, he turns and gives one of the most powerful um, sermons um, and standing before all the, all the people there. And uh, a little snippet from it, because it's so powerful. He says in 22, uh, men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man uh, attested uh, to you by God, mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you know, uh, as yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the uh, definite plan and the foreknowledge of God. So it's all part of his plan. You crucified him and killed him in the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, losing the pangs of death because it is not possible for him to be held by it. There's a little snippet from when the most powerful gospel presentation is given. But then what is the result of that? You know, a lot of times we, we, we hear powerful gospel presentations. And we see people come down and receive Christ. And, and that's because of the Holy Spirit's work. Um, but after Peter gave this sermon, there's a massive move of the Spirit and the birth of the church. And um, in verse 41, uh, it says 3,000 souls were added that day. So I give you that because this is context of what our verse is this morning. This is what happened right before um, 
the church is a baby church, right? It's just starting. They don't really know what to do really other than, you know, uh, the Testament that was given before that. Uh, they don't have the New Testament this time. They don't have the writings of Paul at this time. You know, Paul's not even a believer at this time. Paul's uh, seething and wanting to destroy this little baby church already probably in his mind. And, and so that's what's happening right now. Um, and then it says in 42, and they devoted themselves um, to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. So before we get into the meat of this, I want us around our tables just for a few minutes to kind of talk about a few different um, uh, questions that we're going to have up there. Uh, the first one is kind of coming back to uh, spiritual community. How do you participate and invest in spiritual community? So basically, how are you engaged in spiritual community? So I want you to think about this before we get into what it really looks like. So maybe you, could, you have ideas or maybe you already know. Um, but what has your been involvement in church when you're growing up? And how about now? So um, we're going to pop those up there in a second. Um, and what is your level of involvement in the church now? And what kind of priority is it now or has it been? And um, is it a big deal in your life? And here's a few questions here. So just take a few minutes around your table and uh, kind of go through these questions. And then we'll, we'll discuss a little bit further in, into Acts. Yeah, uh, Megan and I were talking about this, and, and it goes to uh, uh, a, a title of a book. It's called Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Rob, I think, turned me on to it. But, and I've read most of the book, but um, one of the things that really stuck out to me the most is like being obedient and being constantly obedient over the years. Keep being obedient. Keep doing the things you do. Keep being loyal to the church you're at. And you'll see things no, nobody else is going to see, like you said, Andrew. You're going to see... Uh, relationships in the church that you would never have if you were hopping around everywhere. You know, you're going to be known by the church. You're going to be known by the people of the church. You're going to be known by the pastors of the church, you know. And so that is a very important thing is to be in the church and be part of the church and be serving in the church and all that stuff. It all goes to the spiritual community. Like, I mean, I know Hunter forever and ever. <clears throat> why is that? You know, why do we have a relationship like we have? It's because I've been here forever and ever. We've had a relationship even when he was in high school. And I was, you know, in college and stuff. And then we had, you know, relationship when he was going through college and stuff because Meg and I were helping out in the college group and all this stuff. So now we have a relationship now. And, and, you know, and so the point is, like, would I have a relationship with some of you guys in this room if I hadn't been obedient and at a church plugging in and doing the things that you need to do? And you reap the rewards and the, the fruit from that obedience, right? As you're obedient to Christ and as you stay in a church. So that's important. Any other, any other things? Any other comments? So, I mean, a lot of you said it's important to you, and most of you are here for a reason, right? You're here because you want to plug into a church, and you have plugged into this church either through college or YPs and stuff, and, and you've actually been obedient to Jesus Christ and, and plugged in, and, and you have friends at this church, and I know a lot of you all look around here grew up in this church, right? And some of you were like little tiny kids growing up, and, and I'm looking at a bunch of you now. And so that's the cool thing about a church like this that has multi-generational, that has, I mean, I've, there's a lot of, you know, I'm going to say older people now because they're not in the room, but, you know, in, in the church that I look up to and respect, and, and I've known them for a long time, and they've known me since I was in middle school through up. And so they know, they know, like, you know, what my life is and how I've grown and how I changed, you know. And that's important, right? The church is that way to us. It can really, really uh, help us and pour into us. And that's how the church kind of started out here in, in Acts, too. They knew it was important. They knew it was important for community. And um, 
They knew, and so let's go back to 42 and, and look at what they did. So they devoted, devoted, that word devoted, right? That means it was a big deal to them. It was a devotion. They devoted themselves to what? The apostles' teaching. So this is all, they didn't have the New Testament at the time. It was not compiled at the time. Like I said, most of it hadn't been written yet. Um, some of it was being written, the Gospels and, and, the, and the brains of, of, of you know, Matthew. And, um, of course, Luke was hearing about it and all this kind of stuff. They were being written, and, and the Holy Spirit was going to inspire these men to write it down currently. They had the Old Testament um, at the time, um, you know, and that's what they had. And so they're devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship. So that's important, right? I mean, what, what would this church be without fellowship, right? I mean, you can think about all the, the things that— um, you've done over the years that we've had good fellowship, good, good spiritual fellowship, good fun, you know, fellowship, you know, and, and you can look at your friends right now and look around and, and, and you know, all the little fun things you did or the things that really changed or that Bible study you're in and you learned a lot from or whatever you can, you, you know, there's a lot of that fellowship that you, you, you can, you can have. And that's what they did. They, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and we're talking about more, more of that means and, and the prayers, which is pretty uh, self-explanatory. So when the Holy Spirit came upon the church, they responded in a way that was pretty incredible. Um, the movement of the Holy Spirit was in their midst, and they, they became a part of God's family. And when they did, they prioritized the relationship of the family. So when you're a part of a family, like the church, you, you prioritize that relationship. Like a lot of you guys here are just married or just getting married. There's been a lot of weddings this, you know, um, this summer. And so what do you do in that marriage relationship? You prioritize that relationship with the other person. That becomes everything. You, you let go of a lot of other stuff you had before. Maybe it's friendships you had, your best girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever. Um, you, 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 you put that aside and you prioritize the relationship you have right now. And that's, that's the same thing with the family of God. When you become a part of the family of God, it's a priority in your life. And that's what they did. And they learned to live together as, as Christians and practice that life. And we talked about this. You, you mentioned it, sharp, iron sharpening iron, right? It's one of the main reasons why we get together is because we sharpen each other. We encourage each other. And, uh, um, you know, I can look in this room. There's so many people in here have sharpened me over the years. Um, my wife sharpens me all the time, right? And so that relationship is an incredible thing that you have. So those are the things that um, are good. We encourage each other. We hold each other accountable to the word of the Lord and, and to be obedient to the word of the Lord. And so that's what he's talking about here. Um, what Luke is writing down, um, what actually happened in the church. Um, and so we're going to kind of break down those uh, four main, main um, topics he has here. They committed themselves to the apostles' teaching. Um, and I think we have, we have that up there. This means being part of uh, a learning environment and providing not only instruction, but also accountability and practice in that instruction. Um, Recognize that there is instruction you need to sit under teaching with someone that you can be in a relationship with. Um, so I want to talk about what does that really practically mean in your life right now. So we're just going to talk here, have a little conversation. So practically, what does that mean to sit under apostles' teaching? Or in our case, it would be, you know, the New Testament and the Old Testament, all that was given. Um, what, what, does that, what does that mean Practically. I love awkward science, so we could be here for a day. That was a good one. Yep. So Bible study could be kind of part of that, right? 
Think of the activities of the church right now. What do we do that fulfill that? What are we doing right now, right? I mean, this could be good teaching or bad teaching, but, you know, whatever, you're sitting under it, so good, good for you. Um, so Sunday school is another way that the, the church does, you know, teaching, um, speaking the word, holding each other accountable. We're all coming, um, joining here and gathering. I mean, what we're doing next, right? Going to worship as a body of believers. I mean, how awesome is that? Um, I think Wes was talking about it um, either last week or the week before, just like just people around this world, Christians around this world have to do it underground, can't even sing out loud because the secret police might come and break down their door. Like we are so blessed to be able to do this, right? And to be able to be over here in a giant um, sanctuary and to have preaching, you know, like we have and teaching like we have. And so that's part of that whole thing, the apostles teaching. And so they would sit under the apostles teaching and learn from the apostles and learn from the men who actually walked with Christ, right? Christ had just left the earth not too long ago and the Holy Spirit had just come. And uh, that's what they're doing. Um, so practically, it's, you know, what we're talking about, Sunday school, Bible studies, being, being um, in the Bible with other believers, being with your friends and talking about scripture and that, that kind of stuff, um, all part of the church there. So we want to get very practical this morning because you can get really heady with all these terms and everything. But what does that actually mean? And, and you see what the church has done over time. And this is what the church has come up with. You know, there's a preaching, which is, is biblical. You need to preach the word. Um, there's getting into the Bible. There's studying it and all that kind of stuff with, with your fellow believers and with your their friends and, and family around you. Um, the next one is fellowship. So they committed themselves and devoted themselves to the fellowship, it says here. So what does this mean? This means engaging in relationships where you are investing in the spiritual growth of yourself and others. So um, there's action here, right? We can't just, we can't do the Christian life on our own, right? It's not going to work. Have you ever tried that? Have you ever tried to be away from church? Did you grow? You know, were you growing? Um, when you skip church a bunch, maybe it's even for vacation. Occasionally, you know, we're on vacation and we don't go to church or for whatever reason it doesn't work or you're traveling or whatever. You, you, you probably miss it a little bit, right? And you miss that accountability. You miss that worship. You miss the, the Bible teaching and everything that um, you get. But if you stay away from church longer and longer and you stay away from that fellowship, you stay away from those friends who hold you accountable, you stay away from the Bible study, you stay away from all that stuff, it's not going to be, you know, we talked about spiraling up or spiraling down, right? Um, you're not going to just be stagnant. You're going to go somewhere. And so if you're not invested in the church, you're not in the fellowship, you're not investing, investing, and spiritual growth of yourself and others, then you're, you're not, you're not going to be getting closer to Christ, right? You're not going to be doing what this, the early, early church did here. Um, so practically, what does that look like? Fellowship. Things that you've done, maybe fellowship-wise. Maybe it's something Rob has told you to do. Small groups. <laughs> Small groups. This is a big one, right? That's right. I think, um, and maybe order of like, is it really time for uh, some, some people leave? It's not. Okay, good. Um, so I think small groups is one of the biggest areas you can kind of really grow, right? And when you get into a small group, you're studying the Bible, you're looking at your friends, they have struggles, you can help them out with it, you can pray with them. That kind of personal relationship is very, very important. I mean, all these things we talked about are very important, but that one really can help your growth. And if you're just coming to church on Sunday and listening to the sermon, that's great. That's a good start. But if you're getting involved in a Sunday school, that's even better. If you're getting involved in small groups, 
way better, right? If you're getting involved at different levels in the church and, and having this fellowship, that's one of the most important things you can be doing is getting deeper with people around you, getting deeper with your friends, uh, pointing them back to Christ. You know, when you read a, a scripture that's really important and you say, man, I've learned a lot from this, sharing that with others, you know, those are important things to do. So practically, small groups, right, is a good one on, on, on fellowship. And uh, send the Bible and walk in a road with other believers. And we've been talking about this, it seems like, for a few semesters now, Rob, right? This discipleship process, right? The discipleship process of, of getting involved with others around you, finding someone one-on-one. You can just pour into somebody, and they can pour into you. You know, finding a mentor is very important. Finding someone who is uh, maybe older in the faith and older, you know, and, and be able to pour in their life and what they've done in their life. Uh, that, that's something that's helped me immensely in life. And then also be able to do that, be a mentor for some younger um, person in the church that needs, needs that. Um, so those are important things about fellowship. Um, so we can't, the early church did not do the Christian life alone and neither should we, right? They were, you know, you read that whole thing. They were coming together. They were, everything was their own, right? They were bringing together their money. The people were selling properties, right? They were, they were selling it so that people could have food. They were taking care of the widows. They were taking care of all the people in, in their community. They were doing all these things that were very important and fellowshipping with each other. Um, you can't do the Christian life. A lot of people have, have said, oh, I can just do it by myself. I can do my own thing. It's like, no, you can't. That's not the way Christ made it. You have to be together in fellowship. Um, and then breaking of bread. This means uh, practicing caring for others and being cared for. I think that when, when I was studying through this and looking through this, I, I thought that was one of the really key things. Being cared for. Allowing yourself to be cared for. A lot of times we're too prideful for that, right? We think we have it done or whatever, and we, and, and we, we struggle on our own. And we don't let someone come and care for us. And the church is here for that. Your friends are here for that. Your family's here for that, to care for you and to allow yourself to be cared for so you can have healing in your life, whether you need to be prayed for or, or your friends need to come around you and, and get something physical for you or whatever, or if it's emotionally or spiritually, whatever. Being able to, you know, get rid of your pride and say, I need help, you know? That's what the church is here for you. And so when I read that, 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 that spoke to me too because I'm a guy, I'm a very prideful guy, you know? And... To then say, I need help. I need, I need someone to come and pray for me. You know, a lot of times it's like, you know, that's not, you know, I, I'm, I'm strong. I don't need that, right? But to, to allow people to come and care for you. And then the practice of caring for others too. And uh, learning to live in consistent relationship rather than in isolation. So important, so important. You're not going to grow if you're in isolation. You need to be a part of something, especially like a church like this. There's so many opportunities to serve in this church. And through the service, you're going to get so much from it, you know? You think, oh, it's a waste of my time, or I can't do that, or I don't have time for it. It's like, make time for it. You know, go and serve somebody else. That's one of the most important things. Care for others, because one day, and most days, you need the care too, right? So back and forth, breaking the bread, practicing that caring for others. So practically, what does that mean? How, how's that, how do we live our Christian life out um, when we care for others? Like, what does that look like in this church? Has this church done this for you? Does anybody have any, you know, stories of the ch- this church doing that for you? Or you caring for somebody else? Perfect. So, I've grown up here literally since mm-hmm. 1996. So, 
but in 2020, when everything happened, my cousin Sam passed away unexpectedly. And then the entire community, even in the Mm. midst of like, we were all shut down the week that he passed away. Everyone was still constantly reaching out and constantly offering prayers and support and just being cared for in that way just really got Mm. my whole family through that and just brought the community around us so much closer together and that web just thickened and that's what Christ wanted. Amen. That, that is so true. And, and KK is one of those, uh, and her family have been in this church for so long, and they have been obedient and done those things like it says here. And then that reaps massive reward, right? When the, when the fellowship in the body of Christ can come around, when you're hurting and you're, you're in deep pain, you know, and, and they can just put their arms around you and pray for you. And you know there's hundreds of people doing that, you know, and, and, and tens of people coming and giving meals and all this kind of stuff that the church does so well. That's important. That's what we're talking about here in the scripture. That's the hands and feet of Christ being lived out in families' lives that are, are, are you know, in, in these kind of situations. And um, that's going to happen. Like we're going to be in situations where we have uh, really tough things and we need to have people around us to do that. If we're in isolation, it's never going to work, right? Um, and so because our family has been in this church for a long time and we've all come around, I, was, I wasn't going to share this, but this kind of um, comes back to it. As we've been going to all these different, you know, weddings and stuff, most of it's been First Baptist people and stuff like that. And so just, you know, just I think it was at Hannah and Hunter's wedding. Um, we're just out there. We're just, you know, you, you're walking around the wedding. You see all these people you've known forever and ever, ever, right? And I was just telling Megan, we were talking about it, said, how wonderful was it? It was just a great feeling to just know all these people and say, oh, you know, these people are getting married. We know all these people. You're talking to all these people. There's, there's just a sense of community and fellowship because you've been around these people for, for so long. It's the same kind of thing. It's like either in sorrow or in rejoicing in a wedding. Like, that's wonderful, right? And that's what the body of Christ should be here on this earth. And First Baptist is not perfect. I mean, we could all sit here and probably come up with a list of a thousand things that's not perfect. Rob's one of them. But, you know, I'm one of them. We're all one of them, right? <laughs> but the, the point is, we have this. We have what KK has, right? We have good biblical teaching. We have good praise and worship. We have good small groups, you know. It, can we do better? Yes, we can do better. Do we keep going back to Scripture to find out how we can do better? Yes, we do that. And, and we learn from the Scripture. But this is the point of it, right? Is we're going to struggle along uh, the way. But the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the practicing caring for each other and being cared for um, cannot be done in isolation. It has to be done with a consistent relationship over time, right? Long obedience in the same direction. Long obedience in the same direction, constantly being obedient, constantly coming to church, constantly being part of the fellowship of Jesus Christ. Those things are going to get you where you need to be with Jesus Christ. That's what, he, that's what his plan is for us, right? That's the plan for the church. And if you haven't experienced what we're talking about, you can ex- experience it. A lot of it is being vulnerable, like in coming to a church and, and saying, I need help, and finding people that can help you, and finding those friends who can be, um, you know, um, you know, your rock, right? And be, be something like that for you. And, and, and Christ can be working through them. So the last one is prayer, which it's uh, probably one of the most important things and something you can do all the time. Prayer, um, praying individually 
is a, is a big part. How is your prayer life individually? And then praying as a community um, for the movement of God in our lives and in the world. That's what that is. So what does that practically mean? We, we spoke of one here with KK. and I'm sure plenty of people came around their family and prayed for them. Um, but practically, what does that mean, prayer? How can you practically do that? How did they do it, do you think, maybe? You know those moments when you just want to say like okay I'll pray for you and stepping back from that and being uncomfortable and saying like no we're gonna pray like, right now <laughs> right now like we have places to go places to be there's but there's always things that's and right like just submitting that time submitting that discomfort and submitting mm-hmm. myself to the Lord and saying no we're going to the one place that can do something that's right about this yeah we're going to the Lord now Amen. That, that's so true. And um, get uncomfortable in prayer, right? You know, that, that's, a, that's, a good, that's a good word, Sabrina, because that sometimes, you know, we need to just, just say, hey, no, right now, Lord, we need you, and we're going to stop what we're doing, and we're going to come to you. And, and, and that's what a Christian community and a church can do for each other. I know in, in our Bible studies and our small groups and, and different things, there's been a lot of prayer. I mean, I'm thinking of Andrew right now and, and your father and stuff and the times that we prayed for your father and his healing and then to see Christ actually heal him, you know, and to see where he is right now. Like that is such a special thing um, that you can do as the body of Christ come together and just come around a situation or whatever it is um, and, and just pray. And, and that's part of our fellowship is that prayer fellowship we have that we can pray. And if you haven't had that before, you know, seek it out, right? Go talk to your friends about it. That goes to the, the point, be, you know, being cared for, right? If you need prayer, go talk to your friends about it or go talk to your pastor about it. Go talk to your small group leader or, or somebody in a small group or whatever. Um, and, and make sure that you're praying, um, praying daily, praying without ceasing, seeing what that actually means um, in scripture, um, having a prayer partner, um, I mean, in our lives, I mean, I'm just going to say it. Beth Greer has been a big uh, help in Megan's life and stuff. Um, you know, being a little bit of somebody she can just go text and pray and, and say, pray for me. Or Beth will text her and say, I'm praying for you on a random time or whatever. And just having somebody in your life where you can just, you know, uh, have this prayer relationship with, you know. And, and that's very important to have people like that in your life to, to be able to pray for you. And that's what the church was doing. They were de- devoting themselves to prayer um, individually as a community. Um, and the only way God's going to move is if we are praying for it, right? We have to ask of him to move. We have to ask of him to help that person in our life who does not have Christ, right? And we're praying for them. We have to ask of him all these things and that relationship we have with God. So practically, there's a lot of things we can do with prayer. Um, and actually, you, you said awkward, and that's what I put down here too. Um, you know, you know, is it awkward sometimes when you come to the Lord because you haven't been praying to him, right? That's another way. Like, it's like, you know, it's, you come to the Lord, you're like, it's been a while, you know, it's a little awkward at first. And you're like, maybe, maybe you forgot how to pray, you know, because it's been a, been a little while, but you know, get past, past that awkwardness and, and, and do it. Um, and, uh, the more you do it, the better you get at it. And, uh, um, that's, that's the source of our strength and stuff. So we're going to do a conclusion here. And it's a long conclusion. <laughs> but
but uh, we're just going to uh, abbreviate it. It's been so good so far. But uh, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as a habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see, the day is drawing near. And this is kind of what is keys in a lot of what Wes is preaching about. And I only have a few minutes here. I wish we had more. But uh, Wes talking about the day of the Lord, right? That's coming. And no, it's sooner now than it's ever been, right? We don't know when that's going to be, um, the prophecies and everything. But if you look back at Revelation 19, he says the day, and day is capitalized here, is drawing near. What day is that? The day of the Lord. The day Jesus rides in on a white horse, and he comes for his church, and he comes in victory and judgment. And if you look at Revelation 19, 11 through 16, it's not up on the screen, so don't worry about it. Uh, then I saw heaven open up, and behold, a white horse, one sitting on it called Faithful and True. And righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like flames of fire, and on his head as many diadems. And he has the name written that no one knows but himself. And he hath clothed in robes dipped in blood, by which um, he is called the word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, pure, white and pure, and following him on white horses. Those are all the saints. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, which to strike down the nations. He will rule with a rod of iron, and he will tread on a winepress, the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has written, King of kings and Lord of lords. So... I wanted to go back to that because he's talking about the day here in Hebrews. He said, uh, we'll see the day is drawing near. That day is drawing near. So what do we do? We become stronger as a church, right? We follow what Christ has even more as that day draws near. It's coming. Um, we stir up one another in love and good works, right? That's what our job is at the church. Stir each other up in love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as a habit of some. That's very important. We must meet together. We have to meet together. We're, we're, if we don't do it, um, we're just going to spiral down, and we have to encourage one another. And we can never outgrow and never quit um, being on part of the Christian community. We can't do that. We can't outgrow it. Um, we can never, uh, it's just like you can never stop being a brother and sister, right, in your family or a son or a parent. You never stop being a part of the children of God. And uh, we need to make sure that we stay connected um, to the Father so we can uh, get everything we need from him. Um, so obviously there's a lot, lot we can talk about there. And there's a lot in the, these verses. But the main thing is the hallmark of a, of a spiritual community that's healthy is a community that's doing these things, right? What the early church did. Um, and so we have to, like the early church did, do them well. And uh, we'll grow by leaps and bounds if we do it well. And if we don't, then we're just going to kind of spiral down. But the encouraging thing is, what was happening when the church was doing it well? Daily, people were added to the church, right? And that's the result of us being the, being the church, that other people around us, um, other people that don't know Christ will be added. And they'll want to be a part of a community like this, right? Like how many people have come in here and been like, man, I want to be a part of this, something like this. I don't know what they have, but they have something that's different. And I want to be a part of that, right? So that's the, that's the end, end all thing is that we are bringing others into um, the flock and, be, and more people are becoming Christians because of the way we're living in spiritual community. People see it and say, man, I wish I, I had something like that. And, and they become a part of it and see it. So be the church to people around you, right? You know, pray for people around you. Get in Bible study. Do the hard things. Make it awkward. You know, speak about Jesus Christ even though it's awkward, you know. We've got to do all those things. And, uh, 
and we can too participate and invest in um, spiritual community. You have to participate. You can't just show up on Sundays. You've got to do something. You've got to invest, which means you've got to pour out yourself and what Christ did for you. Um, and then we can be healthy and grow. Man, I had so much more, Rob. I thought three and a half pages was going to do it today, but three was enough. Let me pray for us and we'll, we'll go. Father God, we, we thank you for this church. We thank you for the spiritual community you have given us. Even though it's broken, Father, even though it needs to be redeemed still, Father, even though we look at people around us and we say, man, I wish they were different or better or they hurt me or whatever, Father. Um, church hurt is a big deal. It's really hard. But I just pray as we are the body of Christ and we are the, the church here, Father, that we would, we would be the church to others around us. We would allow people to pour into us and we allow... Uh, and we would go out there and be obedient and pour into others around us too, Father. We thank you for the, um, the worship service we're about to go uh, attend, Father. We thank you for the rest of the body of believers in this church and how you've been so faithful and, and, um, to us in this church for so many, so many hundreds of years, Father. And we thank you for that. Um, we just pray as we go out that we worship you in spirit and truth. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.